It's March 22nd, 2022, and this is your Ukraine Daily Brief from the DSR Network. I'm Grant Haver. And I'm Chris Kotnor. Our top story today, a pro-Kremlin tabloid published and later deleted that 9,861 Russian soldiers died in Ukraine and 16,153 were injured. This is more than three times the military personnel that the U.S. lost in Afghanistan over more than 20 years. Russia is also only about a third of the size of the United States. Ukrainian President Vladimir Zelensky accused Russia on Monday of hijacking a relief convoy headed to a city in northeastern Ukraine near Kharkiv. He said that authorities had lost contact with six people in it, suggesting they had been detained. President Zelensky said yesterday that any compromises agreed with Russia to end the war would need to be voted on by Ukrainians in a referendum. This could cause challenges in the peace talks as millions of Ukrainians have been displaced, which would make it difficult logistically for them to vote in any future referendum. President Biden told companies on Monday to harden your cyber defenses immediately as U.S. intelligence has indicated that Russia may soon turn to cyber capabilities to push back on the West. Ann Neuberger, the Deputy National Security Advisor for Cyber and Emerging Technology, said that there is no intelligence that there will be a cyber attack on critical infrastructure, but that the Russian government is exploring options for potential cyber attacks on critical infrastructure. While evacuations continued from hard-hit Ukrainian cities, Russian forces continue to target civilians. Two children are in critical condition after cars carrying families came under artillery fire on the road between Mariupol and Zaporizhia, a regional official in eastern Ukraine said. Russia's foreign ministry summoned U.S. Ambassador John Sullivan to tell him that President Joe Biden's calling Russian President Vladimir Putin a war criminal had pushed bilateral ties to the brink of collapse. The ministry also told Sullivan that hostile actions against Russia would receive a decisive and firm response. State Department spokesman Ned Price later said, We have sought to maintain a diplomatic presence in Moscow, and the United States wants Russia to keep a similar presence in Washington. Russia's actions call into question whether they too welcome these same open lines of communication. The United Nations General Assembly is expected to vote this week to call out Russia's invasion of Ukraine for creating a dire humanitarian situation, urge aid access, and again demand Moscow stop fighting and withdraw its troops. This would be the second vote of the General Assembly against Russia, and while not binding in any way, it is still politically damaging. A Moscow court banned Facebook and Instagram on Monday, deeming parent company Meta an extremist organization. The court ruling came after a request from prosecutors to ban the two platforms for carrying out extremist activities. WhatsApp, the company's messaging service, was excluded from the ban as the court ruled that it lacked the functionality for the public dissemination of information. In a potential historic move that could redraw the European energy map, Bulgaria's Deputy Prime Minister, Asen Vasilev, said when Bulgaria's 10-year deal with Gazprom expires at the end of 2022, they will look elsewhere to meet their natural gas needs. He noted that in this situation, there cannot be talks with Gazprom. There are alternatives. This is not just a Bulgarian position, he said. 
This is a common European strategy, invoking the recent agreement made by EU leaders in Versailles to phase out dependency on Russian gas, oil, and coal imports as soon as possible. Egypt devalued its pound by 14% on Monday after Russia's invasion of Ukraine prompted foreign investors to pull billions of dollars out of Egyptian treasury markets, putting pressure on the currency. The central bank also hiked interest rates by 100 basis points in a surprise monetary policy meeting. Egypt has been in discussions with the International Monetary Fund about possible assistance, people close to the negotiations have said, but it has not announced any formal request. One of the things that I think we've tried to highlight on this show is the ripple effects of this conflict. Whether it's Egypt devaluing the pound, the U.S. warming ties with Venezuela over oil, or millions of Ukrainian refugees and Russian dissenters spreading out over the globe. Even if a general ceasefire was announced today, Putin's war of choice is going to reshape the post-Cold War global environment in ways that are hard to predict. But we'll continue to be tracking here and across all the podcasts on the DSR network. The United Nations Children's Fund and the United Nations High Commissioner for Refugees have set up blue dot centers that are designed to help identify unaccompanied and separated children and ensure their protection, as well as provide a hub for essential services and information for traveling families. The UN World Food Program said it had reached more than 330,000 people inside Ukraine with food assistance since the Russian invasion. Russia withdrew from peace treaty talks with Japan and froze joint economic projects related to the disputed Kuril Islands because of sanctions imposed by Tokyo over Russia's invasion of Ukraine. Russia and Japan have still not formally ended World War II hostilities because of the standoff over islands just off Japan's northmost island of Hokkaido, known in Russia as the Kurils, and in Japan as the Northern Territories. The islands were seized by the Soviet Union at the end of World War II. The islands were seized by the Soviet Union at the end of World War II. Japan reacted angrily to the decision, with Prime Minister Fumio Kishida saying he strongly opposed Russia's decision, terming it unfair and completely unacceptable. UN Secretary General Antonio Guterres said that the fallout from Russia's war in Ukraine risks upending global food and energy markets, with major implications for the global climate agenda in comments to the Economist Sustainability Summit. Countries could become so consumed by the immediate fossil fuel supply gap that they neglect or kneecap policies to cut fossil fuel use, he added. The International Atomic Energy Agency is closing in on a deal to guarantee the safety and security of nuclear facilities in Ukraine, according to its chief, Rafael Mariano Grossi. The discussions, which started on March 10th, are very delicate diplomatically. He told European lawmakers that he hoped to reach a deal soon. That's all the news we have for you today. Be sure to rate, review, and subscribe so that more people can find the show. If you have a tip or topic you'd like us to cover, please email us at udb at thedsrnetwork.com. Members of the DSR Network will receive an evening newsletter version of the Ukraine Daily Brief. So go to thedsrnetwork.com and become a member to make sure you never miss any of our analysis. If you want more in-depth discussion of these issues, Tune in today to Next in Foreign Policy, where we talk to documentary filmmaker Lorraine Ma 
about her latest film, Faceless, and about the connection between the fight for democracy in Hong Kong and Ukraine. Stay safe and stay tuned to the Ukraine Daily Brief from the Deep State Radio Network.